Hi everyone. When Brian asked me to talk about mission in the Church of a New Era, my fir- honestly, my first thought was gulp. Me and mission have not always had the best relationship. Um, I once spent a week blasting worship music as loudly as I possibly could out of my um, bedroom window. Completely convinced that all of my neighbours was instantly fall down to their knees in awe and there'll be some full-blown conversion moments happening. Instead, the instead I had the police come over because of the noise complaints. I was grounded for about a month and um, the really cute boy across the road from me thought I was really quite weird. That's okay, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but it wasn't always felt really comfortable. So I don't honestly feel like I'm the most qualified or the best person to talk to you about mission and a mission and the church. And as I started planning, uh, I shout out a God help me prayer, which is basically one where I go, ah, help. Um, with the reassurance that God can translate whatever ah means. Um, I went to the Bible, which is always the best place to start, and the verses that Brian gave me, thinking the Bible would have all the answers always, but Ephesians 3, verse 7 to 10 at that moment may as well have been in Latin. I just couldn't make sense of it. I then did my absolute natural, which was to go to the books, right? All of the books. Um, this one's very good, by the way. I'll put it the right way around for help. Um, but although they were challenging and thought-provoking and started up really interesting conversation outside my little boy's swimming lesson, they didn't quite provide the words that I was hoping to say and what I was thinking God wanted me to say on this topic. Being pretty wise, a good friend of mine just told me to strip it all back and make it really simple. So although people like Rachel Held Evans and Francis Chan and Tom Wright, who all of who I am a huge fangirl of, are uh, they're all incredible theologians and speakers. It, you know, you can YouTube them and buy their books. So it's with every ah prayer I have that God would somehow use my ramblings to bless you, to challenge you to perhaps speak some of what he wants to say into your life today or at the very least give you something to listen to as you drink your morning cup on your pjs ephesians 3 verse 7 to 9 i became a servant of the gospel by the gifts of god's grace given to me through the working of his power by his he means god's here Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone that the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. These verses are part of this letter that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus from prison. If anyone kind of got locked down life at the time, it was probably him. You see, he didn't have Zoom or Netflix to keep him entertained or connected. 
He didn't have Deliveroo or Just Eat to bring him his weekly takeaway. He didn't really have a lot going on at that moment in time. Yet he still chose to try and be encouraging. He didn't have things to keep him entertained either, really. But his letter is full of encouragement and hope for a church who was struggling at that time to meet, a church who were trying to figure out exactly who they were and what they were meant to be doing, what old traditions no longer held any weight and which ones were really sacred. I can't think of any similarities there at all. I wonder how you'd respond if Jesus took off your shoes right now and began to wash your feet. I spent quite a while thinking about this and I decided that I would probably completely freak out. I'd scream and move my feet away as fast as I probably possibly can. I'm very ticklish. I'd then also probably be sobbing, um, feeling immensely unworthy and uncomfortable. And I'd also probably just feel a little bit in awe and secure Known my tears, the snot that was flowing from my nose, and all of those emotions I'd be displaying were nothing to be ashamed of in front of my Saviour and my King. A core part of our faith is the belief that the, that the Almighty God humbled himself to serve us and die for us. And at the root of who we are as Christians is to kind of imitate or copy him by serving one another. And just as Jesus finished washing the disciples' feet, he commands us to follow his example and wash one another's feet as well. You can see this in John 13, verse 4. I can remember coming into the office one morning and catching the end of a conversation where I just heard someone from this church end their sentence with, oh, when I woke up this morning, I prayed that God would use me to bless someone. You see, for me, that's not the first thing that I think about when I get up in the morning. The first thing I think about tends to be a groan, having a child has not made me a morning person. I then worry about the dishwasher that I knew I should have put on but didn't. And then I realise the time and recognise I'm probably going to be late for that morning meeting again this week. Perhaps you are like this really encouraging person from our church. Or perhaps you're a little bit more like me. Paul knew that by signing up to a life as a Christian, he was calling himself to a life to serve. Right at the beginning of this verse and uh, this passage, he calls himself a servant of the gospel. And fundamentally, that's what all of us are as Christians are called to be. It's our mission to throw away any of our selfish ambition or conceit and to count others more significant than ourselves. I guess I want to ask is, do we do this? Do I do this? Or do we only do this when we're comfortable? When it's easy, when we have time, or when we have the brain space? God wants us to resemble his son. Do we show up to every gathering looking to serve? Do we buy the basic bar the bargain basement chocolate for the food bank collection and keep the best fairly traded, ultra-smooth milk chocolate with a touch of sea salt for our own time of indulgence. A really wise friend once challenged me over 
this very thing. And so it's really easy to give the coat off your own back when you have a spare at home. It's not so easy when you only have one coat. As a Christian, we're signed up to be servants. The next verse, verse 8, begins with Paul saying, although I'm the le less than the least of all the Lord's people. So I'm going to apologize now because I'm likely to go all youth pastory. Um, but are you kidding me? Like, it's Paul, like the Paul who pretty much built the church and wrote the whole, a whole heap of this 2,000-year-old book that we still refer back to. He's probably the most famous Christian bloke other than Jesus. And he's having a moment where he's like, yeah, I suck. I mean, we all have those moments, okay? Like, I mean, you ha everybody does. But you'd kind of think that Paul, you know, this incredible Christian guy, this person that countless, has, has blessed countless numbers of people through his writings, who just seemed so confident and had it all together, was having this moment where he was like, yeah, there's a lot of people who are better than me, more talented, they're, you know, better dressers, they're smarter. Like, he, he just had this real moment where he was doubting that he could do it. And again, quite often when I think about stuff like mission, I wonder how often I get caught up in worrying about some of that. Oh, there's better speakers. There's people who don't worry so much. There's people who don't stumble over their words. There's people who are so much more charismatic and people who have so much more together. And sometimes we can get so caught up in worrying about whether we'll be good at something or whether we're the right person or whether we're enough that we don't actually end up doing anything. And I'm guilty of this. I'm a complete hypocrite in talking about this. But, but we get really wrapped up in worrying about our abilities, our time, our comfort levels even, that we do use it as an excuse not to do something. The amount of times I ask people to get involved in uh, the youth ministry here at Baptist Church and you see the f absolute fear light up in their faces and when you ask people about it, they say, oh yeah, I'm too old, or, or that they aren't good enough, or they won't be a very good teacher, or that they wouldn't necessarily have time to be able to invest in this. And oh, this isn't a plug, I promise. But quite often this breaks my heart. You see, because it isn't about our abilities, or if we're enough, or if we're young or old, or where we're at in our lives. It's about God's. And you see, Paul knew this. The message he's translating, the message he's saying in Ephesians 3 verse 8 is, actually, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. This is the, mess uh, the message translation. God saw to it that I was equipped but you can be sure that had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. Paul and I can relate at the moment. <laughs> Paul knew that his abilities, his talents, and the wisdom that he had didn't matter. Because what did matter was God's abilities. 
God's talent and God's wisdom. That if our all-powerful, all-knowing King of Kings, Lord of Lords, can make some glorified tuna sandwiches, feed 5,000 people, make a donkey talk and can defeat death itself, then he can equip us to whatever we are called to do. And perhaps we don't know what that is. Perhaps we stumble and we're stuck in trying to choose between which one of these incredible good causes is the place that God's calling us. We need to try and take some time to figure that out. Paul specifically knew that he was called to preach to the Gentiles. And perhaps there are many people in our congregation who are called to do just that, to go and make sure that God's message is known to people who perhaps aren't Christians, to people who haven't heard that message, to people who perhaps wouldn't know who Jesus is. But you see, the church's mission isn't just evangelism. So if you're not called to go out and you know, preach on the streets, that's okay. You're still called to mission. We're called to be servants of the gospel as a body, one unit. And well, like anybody, we have to work towards one goal and do many different things. You see, I kind of wanted to do a visual representation of this, but I do have rather quite a big pregnant belly in the way. So I apologise that I can't do this. If you're in your own home and you're able, just do me a favour, stand up for a minute and try and touch your toes. Yeah. See, if I bent down to try and do my shoelace up, my back is stretching, my toes are curling up, my eyes are looking, and yeah, okay, I can't do it at the moment, but you get my point. Actually, to be honest, if I tried to get down to my toes, I probably wouldn't get back up. My point being is actually it takes all different parts of our body to be able to touch our toes. And that's one simple movement. It's a thing that you start learning in toddler gym, if that was something you did. It's something that is really straightforward and is kind of one of the basic things to fitness. But yet, actually, it takes so many different parts of our body to be able to do it. The Bible is full of commands and references to what we should be doing as servants of the gospel. The Church of England has five marks of mission, which basically means they've got five different things that they think mission is. These are tell, teach, tend, transform, treasure. The Methodists have four. Baptists don't actually have a number, but there's quite a long list on their website if you want to go and look. Paul knew what his part in the body was. It was to preach to the Gentiles. Corinthians 12, verse 27 to 30. We are all one part of the body of Christ, and we need each other based on our giftings. Some of us aren't called to preach to the Gentiles, and some of us aren't called to teach or work miracles. But we're all called to be part of a body, a group of people working towards the good of God, of God's plan. Let's put it this way. Mark 2, 1 to 5. 
tells this story about a paralysed guy and his four really faithful friends who put him on a mat and carried him to Jesus. Now, the thing about this story is we don't know much background behind it. It's a really short couple of verses. Um, and in lots of the Gospels, it's brought up to kind of highlight what's going on with some of the religious leaders at the time. Rather than perhaps some of the more nuanced kind of points about how faithful the friends were. You don't see the background, you don't know how far they travelled, you don't know how long this man had been paralysed for. I don't imagine they just went and picked up a random paralysed dude who was laying on the street. I imagine that they'd been friends for a while, that perhaps there was a lot more background stuff happening that they'd been looking after him, that they'd been hoping and searching for something that could help him. And then they realised that Jesus could heal, that Jesus was the saviour that they were looking for. I imagine these four friends got excited and delighted that there was an answer and worked hard to try and make sure it happened. In this story, there's a couple of things that we can touch on. The first and foremost, and probably the most important, and the one I really want to highlight is these four friends knew that they couldn't solve the problem themselves. They knew they didn't have that in their ability. So, what they did was the only thing they could do, which was to carry the guy to the person that could. The person that could heal, the person that could fix, the person that could solve. They made Jesus accessible. So often mission isn't one thing, but sometimes it's just making paths clear to make Jesus accessible to people. Sometimes it might not physically be carrying somebody, but it's pointing to him. It may not necessarily be up on a large stage. It may not necessarily be in with lights and fog machines and you know, big conversations about faith. It might just be the text message saying, I'm praying for you. These four friends made such an effort to make Jesus accessible. They physically dug through a roof. Um, I'm not a builder, like no real concept of what, what those roofs were made out of. But again, I imagine it was quite tricky. I don't think it was easy or clean work, but they did it out of love and they did it out of part of the love for their friend. And that's really powerful. We're just gonna watch a little video um, about my second point around this story. My second point, which is expertly demonstrated in that video, is that they had to do it together. One person couldn't have carried the paralyzed man. Two wouldn't have been able to. Three probably would have struggled. But it took a whole team, a whole community, 
to have made Jesus accessible to this person. Evangelism, challenging injustice, looking after creation, discipleship, tending to those who in need isn't a one-person game, but it's for all of us doing our part, doing the thing God called us to do as part of one body. We're so blessed here at Brent Baptist Church. We have people who are people who think out of the box. We have people who are so practical that can look at something and solve how that's a, and fix that problem. We have people who have got wisdom of age on their side and people who are new to faith and so going for going for it for God. We have people who think about things 40 years time and we have people who are trying to just figure out the next step. We have people who are so, so gifted in worship. I am not one of them. We have people who can get alongside others and help them see a way through what they're struggling with. And we have others who are so, so, so talented in creativity and art and using that as a way of allowing God to speak. All of those things are different and God has given us all of those gifts to use together, as, to use as community. We're all one small part of a greater and change and, and changing kind of mission of God. And that mission's love. Paul goes on to say that through the church, God's plan will be made known, not to just people on earth, but to rulers of the spiritual realm. And while like Paul, I'm talking about stuff I don't have a great understanding of. I do know though, that God's love will be made known. And how incredible would it be if Breton Baptist Church was known as a place that loved one another and its community with so much depth and relentlessness that God couldn't help be accessible. That people wouldn't see a clique or a religion that's been dictated by laws and rules, but one that's all about love and loving one another. This week, I don't have a paper activity for you. Well, well, I do, it's just, it's not very creative, I'm afraid. When I was younger, I felt mission had to be big and flashy, where 10,000 people came to faith, and where missionaries were those who lived in Outer Mongolia. And I used to feel guilty that what I did didn't necessarily fit into those molds, that where my giftings were wouldn't necessarily fit into those molds, wouldn't necessarily fit into that. As I got older, I've worked through that with God sometimes, and, and I hope that God has made clear through my ramblings is that mission isn't just that. It's taking around that meal, it's sending that text message, it's lending that book, it's praying for that person, signing that petition, doing your recycling. When I gave birth to Caleb, I really wasn't very well, and I was struggling a lot, and I can remember, um, <laughs> like, I can remember a teenager rocking up at my door and just saying, I'm taking your dog for a walk. And it, I hadn't asked them to, I hadn't planned it, anything, but it had made such a difference. That was a way of serving me. It was a way of coming alongside of me when I needed help and loving me in that moment. They also helped teach me how to make profiteroles because it was one of the things that was stressing me out that I couldn't do. And, you know, that's mission two, food. But... 
actually mission isn't just this one thing. It's about being a servant to God and a servant of love and to what God has called us to be in whatever season we find ourselves in. It's about loving people even when it hurts. It's about waking up every single day and going, God, how can I be a blessing to someone today? It's about getting on hands and knees and cleaning dirty feet. I've spoken to a lot of people recently who have shared about their loneliness and their struggle, their anxieties, and who've felt really discouraged. And if you want to, this week's to use your piece of paper to be just like Paul. I'd really encourage you to write a letter to your church, to anyone in the church, just encouraging them and coming alongside them so that you can, you can use that piece of paper to pray for somebody in church or a group the church you aren't even part of. You can use that piece of paper to write a letter and just tell someone that you're thinking and praying for them. You can write, use that piece of paper to write three things that you want to do to try and be more servant-hearted, to try and serve someone else this week. Much like Paul did with the Ephesians, he didn't do it with an agenda or a focus. And sometimes, as fundamentally, we are signed up to be servants. And who knows what your encouraging letter, your drawing, your note, your prayer may end up being. If God can use a donkey to speak for him, I'm sure he can use the words of your letter to encourage somebody today. I'm going to end by just praying over us, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians at the end of this chapter, it's chapter three. I'm going to look down because I'm going to read it out my Bible directly. Um, I'm sorry if that's really distracting. I just want to make sure I get the words right. I just think it's quite important. Um, I really do pray that perhaps there's been something that I've said that perhaps there might have been some wisdom in this. Um, thanks for listening. Let's pray. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of its glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do measurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.